Today on the table of content, we have Paul Fox in the studio. We're going to talk with him about writing and lending his voice to We Are One Body Audio Theater. That's all coming up next right here on the table of content. Stay tuned. Welcome to this episode of The Table of Content, where we talk about everything cool, hip, new, and awesome coming out from WAOB Audio Theater. I am your host, Albert Sines. So glad that you have joined us for this episode. I want to make sure I give a shout out to our man on the board, Joe Adams. Joe, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's not really a board, is it? It's not really... It's, it's like a... It's a computer. It is a computer. I mean, you have a keyboard. And but, I do have a keyboard, so... But, it's not, but it's it could not be the yeah, board. It could be the board. There Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and I want to make sure that we extend a great welcome to Paul Fox. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Oh, you are so welcome. Uh, we hope this is the uh, first of many visits to the to the show. Uh, Paul, we want to we want to get to know you. We want to get to know how you got here, where exactly you're coming from, and uh, take some time to talk about some of the uh, work you've done for us. So, Paul, I don't really actually myself know your background. What do you do when you're not lending your creative talents to audio theater? What is it that you do in your day hours? Okay, well, my my day job is actually I'm a physician. And I'm currently working only as a desk job looking at uh, claims for Social Security disability. Okay. Uh, formerly, I was a full-time family practitioner. And so this job that I'm doing now is sort of like a semi-retirement job. Okay, I understand. So that's a, that's a pretty good contrast from you're doing physician work. Uh, now I understand it's more of a desk job. But then on the other side of it, you... You write creatively, you speak creatively, you have this sort of other creative side. Is that always been the case with you? You've always kind of had these two worlds that have existed? To some extent, I'd say yes. I'm not by any means a prolific writer. Um, I've managed to get some prose articles published here and there, and I'm perhaps maybe a once-a-year poet in terms of producing anything worth reading, uh, but I do enjoy it. I'm frequently inspired by things that are going on in my own life, by my children, my grandchildren, sometimes by the, the patients that I've seen or other circumstances. So, yeah, I would say there is a connection, but fairly tenuous. Now, you said that you find inspiration a lot from your, from your life. You said family, sometimes from the patients that you get to know. I think those who are creative... Uh, have that as a large part of their inspiration, their daily lives. I think some people are just naturally sort of inspired. They just come up with their creative, their creativeness. Uh, do you find that for you, most of your inspiration is normally from your daily life that you that you experience? I would say the majority of it is. Maybe not necessarily from my personal experience in my family, but it may be from something that I've been reading about in the news. Or again, as I said, something that I've experienced in my professional life uh, with seeing the kinds of things that my patients have struggled with, for example. Mm -hmm. So on the writing end, let's start on the writing end. 
Have you always sort of been interested in writing, or was that something that developed as you got older? I've always been interested in, in writing, not specifically poetry. Um, but in high school, I learned quickly that I was pretty good at writing and that I could sometimes write my way around something that was too difficult for me <laughs> to actually answer and uh, get a good grade anyway. So yeah. it was enough to impress the teacher. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, I had my share of that. Maybe not quite as uh, as well-versed as you, but I remember my own share of trying to uh, make the grade. Um, let's, let's, let's get into some of your work here. And this uh, first one that we're going to talk about, The Ballad of Bad Baruch, that is a personal inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll pick your brain about that a little bit more. Let's listen to a small clip, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Let's see. Here we go. A hundred, hundred ships they sent into the briny deep, till Bad Baruch, he yawned and said, I'm tired. It's time to sleep. Then on a silken pillow, Bad Baruch lay down his head and woke to find his mama kneeling close beside his bed. Okay, so that was one small excerpt from a really fun poem that you wrote. So rather than me try to uh, try to explain it, give the listeners a background of that uh, particular poem. Okay, well, that's fairly easy to do. Baruch is uh, my grandson. He's now 12 years old, but when I wrote that poem, he was, I think, two or three. And uh, he was going through a pirate phase in his life, as a lot of little boys do. I just enjoyed watching him. He was very earnest about it, um, really serious pirating. And uh, it just seemed like it would be a fun idea to uh, write about Baruch as the bad pirate and the terror of the seven seas. And so I set out to write a ballad. So you wrote that uh, maybe about 10 years ago. Mm. And you had it uh, kind of laying around and decided to present it to audio theater? Yes, I did. Okay. And uh, they said uh, two thumbs up and uh, then asked you to read it? Or did you ask, did you want to read it yourself? I really wanted to read that one myself. Okay. I, I, I enjoyed it just because I have three children. I have two small boys myself. And uh, watching them sort of role play throughout the afternoon and the what they create, you know, it makes perfect sense for a small boy to come up with. He's a pirate. He's some sort of adventurer. He's flying through the air. He's any number of things. But my, my own boys, they come up with some really creative and out there ideas. But it, it's a good relation. It's a good thing for me to hear. And uh, I thought it was very well written myself. And then when you, when you listen to you read it, you give you give good sort of life to bad Baruch and then <laughs> then bring him back to sort of the the child that he is. Uh, and I like the way it ends. Uh, I won't spoil it for anyone kind of who listens, but you sort of, you bring it back that he comes back to his childness, but the the pirate still lives within him. Lurking uh, beneath the surface. Lurking beneath the exactly. surface. Uh, so I, I encourage uh, listeners to look that one up underneath uh, Paul's uh, contributor bio. Um, my question about that is, I'm sure that you hold your family very dear to you, mm -hmm. your, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, uh, I can only imagine, you know, your own attachment to them. 
you write this story. It's very personal. It's about your grandson. And then time passes and you decide you want to try and share it. Is there any difficulty in sharing something that's that close to you? Do you find it easy to sort of share it with the world? Or do you have to kind of consider whether this is something you want to let other people in on? find it particularly difficult. Um, I mean, we've had our share of difficult times in our family as well as happy times, and I've shared some of those in, in other poems I've written. And I think it's because, first of all, there's enough distance between the actual events and right now. Some of that is behind us personally. Secondly, because I know that so many other people have similar experiences in their life, have had similar happy experiences, similar painful experiences. And this is just a way of saying, we're together in this. We're all human in this. And none of us is really isolated, no matter what we're facing, for good or for ill. So the potential to be able to share with someone else who maybe is experiencing something similar, whether it's joyful or potentially uh, sad uh, in their life, is a, uh, I think it's it's a worthy cause because mm-hmm. to know that potentially you have that ability to bring someone out from where they are, to just let someone know, hey, I understand, uh, this is the same thing, I know, um, it, it really is a powerful uh, potential, I'll say, for someone who hears it and, and can say, oh, this actually happened to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had many of those moments in my life where you, you feel like you're alone in one moment and then moment you realize, oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And whether it was from a story, a song, someone just giving their own witness. Um, so I uh, give you great praise for for your the reasons behind your, your sharing. Uh, Let's move on to another uh, one that you took part in. Uh, we can't play this clip live because it's kind of tricky to play live, but I'm going to encourage the listeners to uh, find it on our website. Back in December of 2017, uh, We Are One Body Audio Theater, we did a, a live Christmas performance at St. Vincent Basilica Parish in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And we had this one story, uh, it was written by... Uh, Gretel and Darkey, mm-hmm. uh, The Executioner, right. which is a telling of uh, the descendant of Cain, correct? Right. And um, in this story, you are a, um, so we could say, a very devious uh, pers- persona who is trying to inspire this descendant of Cain to mm-hmm. basically kill the Christ child. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in the live performance, uh, you, you, I don't know how else to say it, but you were really good at being bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just really like you, 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 you could have, you could convince me of your sinisterness, in a, you know, of your, of your mal intentions, uh, without, without really trying too hard. And there was this one scene where. Uh, you you tell the executioner uh, that you know about his past, but he's supposed to like basically be throttling you, grabbing you around the throat, and he and uh, the execution was played by Dennis Jers, and he never touches you, mm-hmm. he never lays a hand on you. We're doing this live performance, and 
you sounded like you were being choked. The life was literally being choked out of you. And I was just blown away by how you were able to sort of uh, portray being choked without being choked. Now, I think you, you did put your own, did you, didn't you grab your I own? Did. Yeah. I did. I am. Uh, tell me about your, your performance in that live moment. Well, gee, that was actually, I think, the first performance that I did with WAOB. Okay. Um, and really, I had no previous experience in voice acting or much of any kind of acting since seventh grade. So um, somehow or other, I just felt that I was in that persona. I didn't. I, I can't really explain how that works, but to somehow or other identify yourself I hope I'm not really that evil. Um, and yet I know, you know, from personal experience, what it is to to be evil. I've done evil things. So has everybody else I trust. And I've been on the receiving end of evil things. So I have enough of experience of, of evilness uh, to feel like, yes, I, I can put that on for the moment. I can be evil in this moment or, you know, with the choking scene, well, yeah, I had to put my hand on my throat. Somehow or other, I didn't feel I could simulate that without some physicality to it. Uh, so I hope that helps explain it a little bit. Sure. But, you know, I'm so, you know, I, I'm actually impressed is because you're saying that that was one of your first performances and you had had no real experience with sort of voice characterization mm -hmm. prior to that, except you said maybe seventh grade. And I've listened to your other performances and you would not know that, Paul. You would not know that you've only sort of taken up voice acting in the sense of creating characters over the last couple of years because you give great persona to some of your other characters. In the, uh, in the Canary Trick, you, you, you read that all by yourself, mm -hmm. and the voices are coming in and out. And a really fun fun read, or listen, I guess. Uh, so uh, it must be just something inside of you, a, a natural talent, we'll say. Well, I will say it's probably didn't been developed over uh, several decades by reading out loud to my children and grandchildren. Okay. I've done that since my oldest child was a baby, even before she was born, I can't remember. And uh, I still read to uh, several of my grandchildren on a regular basis. Uh, and generally, it's been fiction because that's what kids are interested in. And I've tried to spice it up by using different voices for different characters. So, you know, that perhaps has given me a little practice. So you add some extra Paul Fox to the story and it comes out tasting real good. Well, I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> uh, well, uh Paul, I guess uh, to kind of come to an end here, you have such an interesting sort of day life and sort of past and the creative side. What I would want to ask of you as this last question is, do you find it, um, do you find it to be a good sort of balance or, a, a, you know, I do this in my day job and I do this out of, uh, a means to escape. I do it out of a means to just sort of express myself. Is it a good balance for you? I mean, I guess that's where I'm get it, getting at. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, I I have a very full day life just in my work, but also after work, uh, a full work life with my my wife, my children, my grandchildren, 
uh, with other things that I do f for further education of myself and, and broadening my horizons. And this has just been a wonderful experience for me to, to try something I've never tried before and, uh, and learn. And, uh, would you encourage maybe anyone else who has a creative talent lurking inside to try to find the opportunities to uh, do that, whether it's writing or painting or sculpting or reading, uh, voice acting, would you encourage them to sort of seek that out and make time uh, to balance that into their daily schedule? Absolutely. I think it's those opportunities to to explore creativity in whatever form that give a depth to life, that give you something that you can turn to when things are not going well in your day life, that you can turn yourself to your creative uh, efforts and find some, some solace in them. Uh, so anybody has some creativity lurking in them somewhere that they just need to try enough things to find where their channels are. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know it can be a challenge sometimes to sort of find it, but if you stay with it, you'll eventually, you'll, you'll stumble onto it. Mm -hmm. um, Paul, thanks so much for taking some time out with us here. Uh, again, we hope to have you back uh, in the future. And I want to invite our listeners to go to the website, waobaudiotheater.org. Uh, look to our contributor bios, find Paul Fox, and... Uh, Listen to him read, listen to some of the, uh, the poems that he's written, which are read by some other people. The Ballad of Bad Baruch is there. Uh, the Executioner, the performance I'm talking about, you can find under our programs and special events. Again, that was our Christmas Alive 2017 performance. And uh, look around the website as well. Look at all of the great content and... Uh, be sure that you tune in again for the next episode of Table of Content. We're happy to have you. Uh, again, thanks to Paul. Uh, thanks, Joe, for manning the board. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will see you or hear us next time on the Table of Content. Thanks so much. <laughs>